This episode is brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail company in Bucks County, where convenience meets luxury. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. This episode is also brought to you by Shamrock Sun, your new big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered by subscription. Check them out on Instagram and at shamrocksun.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Thoughts from the Shade. It is episode 33, the big 3-3. We're here to recap conference championship weekend and we've got super bowl 56 set in our sights the cincinnati Bengals will play the los angeles rams in la here in a couple weeks Um, but first i mean we got to recap what we saw on championship sunday because it was awesome uh two great games two close games nail biters really good action all you can ask for is an nfl fan but First, I'd just like to acknowledge the PGA. Um, They held the Farmers Insurance Open this week. And Bob's looking at me funny, but I think he's going to appreciate it by the time I get to the end of this little little bit. Um, They kicked off play on Wednesday and had the final round Saturday. And with all the snow in the Northeast, it was a great day to watch golf Saturday. Sunday, no golf, all football. I thought thought it was a good, good scheduling move by the PGA. Bomb shaking his head, head in his hands. What do you got, Bomb? I totally missed that memo. I mean, here I am on Sunday afternoon before the the the, the Bengals and Chiefs game, flipping on CBS. My guide still had uh, golf. I said, "Oh, this will be great. I'll watch it right into the right into the NFL." And next thing I know, I'm watching a Michigan State Michigan basketball game, or you know, it was a Wisconsin, you know, who, it was some bullshit Big Ten basketball game, like Michigan. So you know. I was a little disappointed. So you're telling me now that the final round was Saturday? I mean, that's that's a heck of a move. It was a hell of a move. And they and they they totally duped you, I guess. I mean, you you had no clue, man. Come on, get with it. Yeah, I missed that memo. I mean, uh, you know, I'll put my hand up, but that could have been Was that socialized? I missed that. Uh, I didn't realize it until until Wednesday and uh, you know, it was a nice midweek treat as as we're grinding here, but um no, I guess it wasn't as, as advertised as, as many of us would have liked, but, you know, football's coming to an end, folks, and we got to find something to watch afterwards and March Madness, and then, you know, golf really kicks into gear. But the Farmers Insurance, good event. Uh, Luke List beat Willie Z, Wills Outdoors, in a playoff. Uh, only took one hole, but it was some good drama there. But the real drama was on the gridiron this weekend, folks. Um I mean, let's just let's just start with the first game of the day, Sunday, the AFC Championship. Joe Burrow. I mean, what what more could you say about the guy? Talked about him dragging his hog into Tennessee last week. I mean, I think it just has to be said that guy has a monster cock. Um, Big it, balls, Burrow. Just, I, mean, I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. They go down twenty-one-three. The text messages are flying. Everybody's. Every every asshole with a fucking Chiefs future is, oh, man, I can't wait to get this cash. Chiefs are unstoppable, blah, blah, blah. And then Fat Andy has first and goal at, to end the half with a 21-10 lead, comes up with no points, and then he's got a first and goal 
to end the game, and he needs seven for a win and three to tie and five yards for a win. He gets three points. I mean, that that was the two two big things for me on the Chiefs side, but in the end, Cincinnati wins 27-24. They get a stop in overtime. They go down and kick the field goal. Um, I'll just throw it over to you, Bob. What were the takeaways? Yeah, I mean, we'll start with the macro. Uh, Andy Reid, we know his record in in championship games, right? What is it, three and six now? He went five times with the Eagles. He got to the Super Bowl once. He lost once there, right? So he went one and four in the championship games as an Eagles head coach. 0-1 in the Super Bowl. Chiefs, he's what, two and two? and Two, two and two or two and three? Two and two, I, I guess. Two yeah. and two. Two and two. And uh, what, one and one in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Uh, there's a common thread here now. Like, th- this is, I'll be honest, this is a, this is, he's entering Dan Quinn territory. Okay. We all remember Dan Quinn for the catastrophic collapse against Tom Brady. Um, and no one's calling the Bengals the Patriots, right? But Andy Reid, this is now the third time his team, has blown an 18-plus point lead in the playoffs as Chiefs head coach. We're not even counting what he did in Philly. We know as Eagles fans, a lot of times they didn't even get a fucking lead. They're just playing from behind. But uh, he had a 38-10 to lead at Indy. You remember that one? Blew that one. 21-3 lead against the Titans at home. Blew that one. 21-3 lead against the Bengals at home. Blew that one. He lost all three of those games. I mean, I think the time it start it's time to ask the question: Is Andy Reid an all-time choke artist in big games and big moments? And that's the question I want to ask. I think it's a valid question. I think it's fair. Um, I feel like the common the common feeling amongst like your average Philadelphia fan is, "Oh, we love Andy. We want to we want to see Andy win." I don't want to see Andy win. What 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 the what the fuck do I owe him? That guy ruined my childhood. He ripped my heart out as. You know, a middle schooler uh, going to these championship games, losing, finally getting over the hump, losing. Um, but no, I mean, the other thing I wanted to, to bring bring to light here, Andy Reid has lost five conference championship games as a favorite, most ever. So what did we say? He's been to the conference championship five times with the Birds and four times with the Chiefs? Yeah, he's three and six. Wow. And you're saying five of those times he was favored? I, be, I Yeah. That, that, that's, <laughs> and think about how that's many of those here. games, not only favored, think about how many of those fucking games were at home. Remember in Philly, they played what? Three in a row at home? They had the Bucks. They, they played at the Rams, then Bucks, Bucks at home, Panthers at home, Falcons at home. Then yeah. they went on the road to Arizona. Uh, I mean, just what? They had now four straight AFC championship games at home at Arrowhead. At Arrowhead, like one of the most like well-regarded home environments out there two and two. I mean, with a favorite, I mean, that's just so bad at one point. So you talked about that play and we'll get into that play at the end of the end of the first half. It's 21 to 10. There's five seconds left in the second quarter. And this is before the, before the, the, the play, Uh, they had a 98% win probability at that moment in time, 21 to 10. And what was it? Second down, third down, whatever it was. They had a a ninety eight percent win probability. I mean, it's astounding. No, that was it was an all time choke job. 
Um, but I mean, I just look at the first half and Andy's always good for his first 15 script that he's, he's a mastermind of, of that. He's not a mastermind of in-game adjustments or, uh, you know, making changes on the fly, but yes, the chiefs came out strong. Yes. The chiefs were, were kind of dominating, but at the same time, the officials were terrible in the first half. I mean, I look at that throw to T Higgins in the end zone. I think that was the third down play where Cincinnati had a chance to tie it at seven, seven. And that guy's only got one hand to go after the ball with. You don't see a flag seven, three, they kick the field goal. And then I think the very next possession, Kansas city goes down the field again and they throw a touchdown to Kelsey after Patrick Mahomes runs around in the backfield for about 25 seconds. And in that 25 seconds, you got multiple defensive linemen getting full-blown tackled by the O-line of Kansas City. No flags to be found. So it it was a disgusting first half in terms of officiating. I thought Burrow looked a little shaky early. Uh, he was understandably so, trying to get the ball out quickly. He was really only looking underneath and not taking the time to go through his progressions, but that changed in the second half, that's for sure. Well, look, I'll get to the officiating. I'll get to the, uh, you know, to the uh, the color commentary, uh, you know, towards the end of my analysis of this game. But let, let's 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 focus in on the end of the first half. Five seconds left. They decide not to trot the field goal unit out there. I don't really, and I'd love to get your take. I don't really have a problem with trying to get a quick strike into the end zone there with five seconds left, because if you hit something up a seam or like a little post kind of like it's, it's what, like a five yard throw. And in theory, as long as you, you deliver the ball low to where only your receiver can get it and it's into the end zone, right. Provided it's into the end zone in theory, that's a three to four second play. Instead, what they dialed up was that little midget, Tyreek Hill, where's the, well, I didn't see the deuces this time. Did he throw no, up the deuces? No deuces. No deuces. He didn't throw up deuces to indicate that there were two seconds left as the ball was coming his fucking way. So he catches the ball and he does his little dance. He does that dance that he does. He gets tackled. And then they cut to Mahomes, who's signaling for a fucking timeout with zeros on the clock. Not only is he signaling for a timeout with zeros on the clock, he's got no fucking timeouts. I mean, is anyone going to kill this guy for not knowing, like, the game situation? That was pathetic. And then you get Andy after the game. Well, I got to call a better play. I mean, I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to make this this argument right now. Patrick Mahomes is Donovan McNabb with weapons. That's all he is. He's a bum. I think he's a fraud. All he does is scrimmage. And we saw it in the second half. The guy, let me let me tell you what he did in the second half. We, I killed I killed Deuce. I killed Wentz for that 4.4 QBR in a must-win game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, guess what, guys? Patrick Mahomes, they were talking about Baby Goat. They put him on the cover of Madden with Brady. They called it the Goat Edition, you know, the Goat and the Baby Goat. You got his wife tweeting out that Patrick's only 24 and Tom's 42. And Tom's got six rings with the Patriots and Patrick's going to get just as many. Well, guess what? Second half and overtime against the Bengals at home. Have to have it. Going to the Super Bowl. 1.4 QBR. They had two fucking first downs in the second half and overtime, dude. That is an unbelievable meltdown. 
and you can pin it on Reed, but I'm going to print pin it on baby goat. If you're the guy, if you're the baby goat and you got your brother doing TikToks before the game and you got your wife spraying champagne, you can't put up a 1.4 QBR in the second half in OT. I'm sorry. It was a terrible performance and, and night and day from the first half, but that's what you saw out of the Chiefs kind of for a lot of the regular season was this out of sync, like him just chucking balls into the ground and, and running around. But, um, I mean, this this entire game was pretty much exactly how it played out in week 17 when the Bengals beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs got out to a lead and the Bengals kind of stormed back and, and put a halt to the offense. But, I mean, one of the things, I mean, we'll get to the end of the game, and I guess, but one of the things that I thought after seeing this game is like, how would you feel as a Buffalo Bills fan right now? Like the Bengals didn't have the number one defense in the NFL. The Bengals lost the coin flip in overtime. They got to stop. They went and won the game. They shut down that offense in, in the entirety of the second half. Like, and if you're the Bills, all you heard during that game was how great your defense was and this and that. And you played in one of the greatest games of, of all time and all this bullshit. Like, you're getting sold fake goods. Like you've got, if you're a Bills fan, you know I'm I'm calling for McDermott. We called for him last week, but I'm calling for him again. Um, luckily, their offensive coordinator is off to the Giants. I mean, that tells you all you need to know where he's off to. Um, but no, I just couldn't help but think like the Bills think that they're so close, they're so close, and Big Dick Burrow comes off his ACL in really his first full year and just takes the AFC by storm, takes down the Chiefs and Arrowhead, and he's off to the Super Bowl. No, I agree. It's a hell of a juxtaposition against what Buffalo did. I mean, Buffalo played a totally passive defense at the end of regulation and obviously in overtime, and they let the Chiefs really do what they want. And you look at the end. I mean, we'll just jump to the end of the game, right? And I want to talk a little bit about Romo and some of his takes and obviously about the officiating in overtime. But Think about what the Bengals did. They stiffened in a goal-to-go situation to uh, force a field goal, and then they made a stop. And compare and contrast that to Buffalo playing sticks defense with and turning guys free with 13 seconds left. I mean, there's got to be something said about staying aggressive and uh, not allowing the offense to do what it is they want to do. And I do want to call out, right? You know, here you go. Uh, 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 the Bengals are up by a field goal, and the Chiefs have it, and they're driving. And, I mean, it's hard to believe that this was even being discussed, but Tony Romo uh, suggested that the Bengals, who were leading by three at the time, might want to let the Chiefs score a touchdown from the nine-yard line, right? Like, I was shocked when he said that. And uh, he said that. Or no, sorry, from the four-yard line. There was a minute 26 left. So, first of all, you're sitting there, you're like, well, hang on a second here. That makes no sense because you don't have to stop them for four downs. You have to stop them for three. They have to kick the field goal, right? And obviously the Bengals get the, get the sack and push them back, and it was, I think, a 40 or 44-yarder. But then Romo went on to say something that made it 10 times worse. <laughs> this is what this guy does. It's unbelievable. Where, where does he – does he just play like Madden 22 and try to come up with these strategies? I mean, it's unbelievable. He compounded that comment saying that the Bengals might want to let them score from the four in the minute 26 left by saying that when the uh, 
when the Chiefs, if they're if they break free, <laughs> they want to go down at the one inch line. <laughs> they want to go down at the one inch line. I mean, this guy was talking about a scenario that was. I mean, you only see it in online play playing Madden. It was un. I couldn't believe he said it. Oh, they might want to let him score it. Oh, if they let him score, the Chiefs player wants to go down at the one. What? Dude, you need a touchdown to win, and you need to. It wasn't like it was a tie game. If it's a tie game, that's a totally different story. That strategy makes sense. But all the Bengals need to do is get one negative play and 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 keep them out of the end zone. That's exactly what they did. So another hell of a call by Tony, and he's screaming at Jim, Jim, Jim. You know, just another beautiful performance by Tony. I mean, he wouldn't know the first thing about winning in a big moment, and he alluded to that, talking about uh the Bengals kicking before fourth down and his, his mishap in Seattle, which I thought was quite funny because Nance had no clue what he was talking about. But again, another example of Romo not knowing the situation and just talking out of his ass. He must have thought the Buffalo Bills were still playing defense in Arrowhead this week. But I think even when the Chiefs started that drive, and, and they did a nice job, I guess you would say, of like killing the clock and stuff. But... As soon as the Chiefs get the ball, it's 24-21 Bengals. There's like eight minutes left, and Tony Grammer's like just jumping down your throat. Oh, this is the this that was probably the last time the Bengals touched the ball. Like, so you're telling me if if uh, Patrick Mahomes spots Tyreek Hill, you know, down the field wide open, he's not going to give it to him and and just take the lead. Like, I I don't know why he's worried about all these timing scenarios. Like. If you want to be a coach, you want to get you. You got the wrong headset on. Go get the Bose headset, um, or or uh, the Verizon one, or whatever the hell those guys wear, and and get get in a different box or or get on the sideline because it's just it, it's too much. Uh, like you said, it's too much like video game play as an analyst. Yeah, you you nailed it. I mean, you're you're so right. I didn't even think of it that way. Like he he's talking about games. Like buddy, we just need you to analyze the play. I don't need you to talk about like the scenario, you know, six possessions from now. Like, oh, they're this is the last time they're gonna touch the ball. Really? Because like last week, like those teams exchanged touchdowns like after the two minute warning, like multiple times. What are you talking about? And he just assumes like automatically that that the Chiefs are going in for seven. Like no no questions asked. Like, buddy, did you see what they did uh inside the ten to end the first half? Have you seen their offense for the entire second fucking half? Like, what are you, what are you watching? Um but man, that last play, that third and goal that the Chiefs had, you know, de- down there um, to try to win the game, and Mahomes is running around. They showed kind of like an all twenty-two, like higher up, and and it looked like he had Kelsey, like you know, first first read, you know, quick quick drop, let it rip, and it looked like he had him. And I guess Mahomes' confidence was kind of shot because it, that's a throw he. He usually rips off and makes, and it wasn't there. And then he was dancing around. He, he dropped a freaking ball. Like game should end there. That would have been a beautiful ending. That would have been an Andy Reid special. A oh, fumble man. to end it. I, I would. I was really hoping the Bengals fell on that, but um, proud of Tony for not not talking over the referee. You know, letting us know who won the toss in overtime. That was a big step in his broadcasting career. So good on Tony. Um, and then yeah, good on the Bengals. You know, uh, every Dick and Larry uh, in Buffalo and on ESPN this past week had to bring up the the debate of the overtime rules and what can we do to make this better? We've got to get it right. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals got it right. They played some fucking defense, got a pick, 
and went down the field and kicked a field goal and won the game, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's a team sport. You have to, you have to, you know, have a defense that can go out there and get a get a stop. And if you want to, if you just want to watch quarterbacks hit targets, you know, moving uh, and get and give points away for hitting targets. I mean, go put Patrick Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen in a fucking Dave and Buster's and watch them for three hours. Okay, it's a team fucking sport. All right, and I'm sick and tired of these people talking about the overtime rules. Yesterday we saw it play out perfectly. Uh, the Bengals got a uh, got a stop, got it done, went down, kicked the field goal. But I do want to talk about the Bengals' possession, and I also want to hammer Romo. I mean, dead wrong again. So Mixon breaks free for this run, right? That sets them up. At they're what from like the twelve or the fifteen or whatever it is, and um, he falls over. And I noticed in real time, he threw the ball down. Like, you know, I, I've seen this play before from Philadelphia Eagles. Now, normally they're not falling. You know, Deshaun Jackson just leaves the ball like before he crosses the end zone. But something looked off about the play. So Reed calls a timeout. And Romo's blabbering on and on about illegal formation. And I'm in the group chat. And I'm telling you, I said, Romo's dead wrong on this. I don't think Mixon was ever touched. We don't get a replay. We don't get analysis. Reed is calling the officials over, and we're bringing in Gene Steratore to talk about whether or not an illegal formation is challengeable? What are we talking about, Tony? Come on. And then Tony, well, they didn't have seven guys, or they had seven guys on the line. Then he says eight. Then he says, well, it could be eight, but you got to have, you can't have this guy covered up. I mean, Tony. I know you played for the Cowboys. I know you took an ass whooping, but like, man, you might need a neurologic exam after the way you were talking Sunday, buddy. I mean, it was so bad. He had no clue what he was talking about. Then you go on Twitter and you see the replay and like Mixon. Now, I don't know if there's a different angle or what, but they didn't give us a replay. They didn't give us an explanation. Um, Mixon kind of falls over. and Next thing you know, he drops the ball. And then you see a Chiefs player run to the football and presumably pick it up off screen. And that's what Andy Reid was conferring about. He called the timeout. Obviously, all the replays in overtime come from the booth. Come from the booth. So he calls the officials over. And after the game, we learn out we learned what happened. So Reid calls the officials over, and he wants to give them time to kind of obviously get dinged from above and see if they'll review it. And again, unbelievable what the NFL does. Unbelievable. There was somebody obviously in the ear of the head official saying we can't have this happen. And the ruling on the field, quote unquote, the ruling. I don't even know how this is comprehensible. The ruling on the field was that he gave himself up. What? That's the explanation Andy Reid got. Now, I wasn't rooting for the Chiefs, but that play looked odd. There was something going on. Romo couldn't tell us what was happening in real time. And then you hear after the game. The ruling on the field was that he gave himself up. He didn't slide down. He fell over. He fell over after he ran into his own player and then dropped the ball, started beating on his chest. Okay, and that's not the first time Joe Mixon has beat on something at the wrong time. But unbelievable that we didn't get an explanation. And I'm sitting there in the group chat having to figure out what the hell's going on. I mean, it's disgusting. It's disgusting from CBS. And again, it's another example of the NFL. You know they were in his ear, that official's ear. We got to come up with some sort of ruling to make sure this isn't reviewable. Oh, you ruled, <laughs> you ruled him as giving himself up. Are you kidding me? That's whack. 
I mean, I didn't even realize what was going on. I'm, I'm sitting, you know, I uh, took a ride down to spend some time with, with my girl on Sunday and I'm watching the game with her and one of her friends were laying low, cool Sunday. And they're asking me, well, what's going on? And I'm listening to fucking Tony and he's, they're showing the all 22 of the, the offensive line and who's covering up who all for nothing. They're asking me what's going on. I'm like, well, they can't really review an illegal formation uh, on a challenge, but I, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And so, and then I had to get it from you. And then I was like, wow, they, they really botched this again. Yeah. And look, I mean, I don't know if we didn't get another angle. So maybe he was touched going down, but like, it didn't look like it. And we didn't see whether or not a chief actually was the guy who recovered it, but we saw a guy scampering towards the football, presumably recovered it. But it's another example, I believe of the NFL in real time, having somebody from above whispering, in my opinion, into the ear of the official and making a ruling in real time that preserves the image of the league. We saw this it can't happen. Yeah, we saw it. We saw it with, uh, you know, with Tyreek Hill last week. No taunting. We'll just swallow that whistle. Um, we saw it with the whistle, uh, the the Raiders and Bengals game where the the inadvertent whistle where they thought he went out of bounds and then all of a sudden, oh, it was it wasn't that we ruled him out of bounds. It was an inadvertent whistle, and we had it after the catch. Again, just another example of the league changing the goalposts. That was another thought I had on that play. Did they blow the whistle when Mixon went down before we like got up and threw the ball? I mean, they they didn't give us any replays. I felt like throughout the entire day, both both games, there were a lot of plays where you you as a fan sitting there, you wanted another look, and then you're fucking looking at another commercial. Yeah, and we'll get to that Rams 49ers game. Clearly, McVay was getting different replays than we were, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm stunned. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's one of those things where the league maybe has a an understanding with the networks. Uh, for these big games, for the championship games, for the playoffs, where like this stuff gets kind of swept un- under the rug. You recall that that Raiders and Bengals game. I mean, Breeze and Tarico didn't bring up exactly what happened until like 10 minutes later because people were talking about it online. Like they I think they just try to sweep stuff under the rug. And like for us guys who sit here and watch dog shit teams for 17 weeks be held to one to one standard. And then these all-time teams with Baby Goat and this and that, you know, they have different rules. It's like, what are we watching here? And then we can't even get a fucking replay. No. I'm with you on that, dude. But I don't... Yeah, that's that's all I had. I mean, ultimately, it was great to see Cincinnati win. I had the money line. I had them with the points. In fact, I also had a nice little bet where you could take whatever team you thought was going to be the highest-scoring team on Championship Sunday. I had the Bengals that paid out because they were the longest odds. I mean, it was just a beautiful day. And uh, yeah, again, Patrick Mahomes is Donovan McNabb. If Donovan McNabb had weapons. Okay. He's got a, a hall of fame tight end, presumably a hall of fame wide receiver. He's got one championship, um, which frankly was just a choke fest by the choke artist that we're going to talk about next. And uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, but now nah, good on the Bengals. Uh, incredible second half effort from the defense. Burrow threw that pick in the second half. Not rattled. He hung in there. Um, looking forward to seeing them play in the Super Bowl because I think anybody that listens to this podcast knows we weren't we weren't happy to see Andy and Pat and and Midget Hill going back to to L.A. to chase another Lombardi. But 
Yeah, Cincinnati Bengals. First playoff win in 32 years. They say, fuck it, let's just go win the whole damn thing. So they'll be in L.A. in two weeks, and they'll be playing our buddy Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams, who pulled out yet another Capital One fraud fest over Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G and the 49ers, 20-17, to 17, uh, in a game where I personally thought uh, both coaches did all they could to, to give the game to one another, uh, and it, it just happened to land in the lap of uh, Little McVay, and uh, th- they're off to the Super Bowl. So I'll just throw it over to you, Bond, to get us going on this one. Oh, man. You know, that game was really hard to watch. Because those it was a pretty bad game. Those two coaches get so much positive press, and they talk about just how you know. It always cracks me up when you hear about how great of a mind these guys have. He's got he's a great mind. It's like, well, he might have a great mind, but he has got no fucking clue what's happening in real time. I mean, that was two of the worst coaching performances in the playoffs I've seen in, in recent years. I think. Yeah, and I mean, Shanahan's got a bit of the read in him in, in the sense that, uh, you know, 10-point leads blown in the playoffs. We know about the one that he had as the Falcons' offensive coordinator where he just continued to throw the ball up against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. We know about the 20-10 to 10 lead he had in the Super Bowl as 49ers head coach against the Chiefs. They ended up blowing to the baby goat. And then this, you know, 10-point lead, bl- blew it. And, like, it's just, it's just hard to believe. You look early in the game uh, – Big missed throw at the beginning of the game. I think Jimmy G to Kittle was the big one, and he missed that. And then, you know, you talk about the uh, the defensive back on the 49ers who's, you know, camped under the ball like it's a, a high fly to Shane Victorino, and he just, I mean, he muffed it. It was like a double Herrera out there. I didn't know what the hell was going on, and he's laying on the ground, and it's like, buddy, next play, they hit the big play to Odell. So I think those were kind of the two big plays of the game. And we'll get into the coaching and kind of, you know, the decision-making, particularly McVay. Um, but, I mean, those two coaches, they did everything. You said it. They did everything they could to lose the game. I don't know enough about Zach Taylor to understand his situation, but I would bet – I'd bet the house that, you know, the Bengals are going to pull this out. And I say that because I just have so much more confidence in Joe Burrow than that fraud Matthew Stafford. He was a loser at Georgia. He was a loser at Detroit. And, and he wins a couple games now, and everybody's ready to anoint him. You got Olofsky talking about how great. I mean, it makes me want to puke. Yeah, well, he threw that red zone interception early in the game. And then he threw up that fucking shit ball in, in the fourth quarter that, you know, if, if the safety or whoever the hell that guy was in San Francisco had hands, the, the game was over. It, it was basically a punt. And there was nobody around the guy, and he just dropped it. It was unbelievable. But, I mean, Jimmy G was bad. Stafford was bad. Um, I will give the Rams a little bit of credit in that they did a nice job stopping the run because that's what San Francisco really likes to do. And that's how San Francisco really has beat up on them in in recent years. I think they had won six straight matchups. But Elijah Mitchell was held in check. Um, I mean, I would say on the ground, at least Debo Samuel was held in check. For the most part, he had a couple big plays, but um, I mean, the big thing for me was 17 to seven. They get the touchdown to Kittle, San Francisco. I don't think Debo Samuel touched the ball after that play, and that was yep. what was that late third quarter? 
I want to say, or early fourth, some somewhere in that range. But um, I don't know. It's just it's just unbelievable. You got Shanahan, and he, he blows it with the Patriots. He blows it yesterday. You got Sean McVay. Uh, he's challenging like what spots on a QB sneak, and then he's challenging you know whether a, a fullback fumbled like at the bottom of a pile when he got like one yard. On a, like I, I just don't I, I don't know what's going on with with these guys, but they get totally hyped up. And you saw you saw Sean McVay stroll on the sidelines yesterday. He looked like a little kid, uh, you know, at recess playing with uh, the eighth graders or something like just a total deer in headlights, panicking, throwing the red flag. He's got it out. He's waving it around um, because, he, you know, he has to put his stamp on the game. Yeah, it's all about him and trying to be a bright mind and, a you know, out cute out cute the other head coach and don't forget the, those two challenges they lost and they obviously they lost the timeouts the other timeout they used on first and 10 to prevent a delay of game <laughs> i mean this guy that might have been in the terms of like the history of coaching in the nfl that may have been the most inefficient use of timeouts in nfl history that we saw yeah it was up there um i would say another thing that stood out especially in the second half was Again, officiating. You hate to bring it up. You hate you hate to be the the bitch at the refs guy, but I mean the, these are the best games of the year, and you don't want to see them Im- impacted by the zebras. And uh, San Francisco gets that good lick on Odell Beckham Jr. and and he got hit in the head. He was going to the ground. Uh, I don't know what what you make of it, but it was helmet to helmet. They threw the flag, and then like a couple plays later. Uh, I forget who's punting. I I think yeah, San Fran was punting. San Fran's punting, and their gunners get hustling down the field, and somebody just totally cracks him in the head while he's going full blow, uh, you know, all all from the side, blindsided, no flag. It was unbelievable. And right the, in front of the returner. Yeah, and the whole second half, you have uh, Matthew Stafford at home. That's another thing that is disgusting. Uh, I will be rooting so fucking hard for the Bengals because L.A. has the most fraudulent fan base. I have ever seen that entire stadium on Sunday was red. It was louder when the Rams had the ball than when San Francisco had the ball. You mean, fa- you mean the Niners? Yeah. Oh, you mean when the Rams had the ball? Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, cause the Niners are on defense. Yep. 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 The, the, the Niners fans were getting up uh, when they're, when the Niners were on defense, making it tough for the Rams and the Rams are running a silent count in a home playoff game in the, in the NFC championship. It's disgusting. And, they're also get, getting the benefit of the fucking play clock hitting zero, a half second going by, and then they can snap it. Like, that must have happened eight to ten times in the second half of that yep. game. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I just don't – when did we start with this rule with the play clock? Like, I know it hasn't – it wasn't this year, but, like, maybe ten years ago, all of a sudden I start noticing, like, oh, we're going to give you an extra four seconds. It hits zero. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three, snap. It's like, what What the f- – when did that become a, a a rule? Yeah, zero isn't zero anymore. It's it's bullshit. Um, I, honestly, is what it is. I I don't know why they do it. If it's to to keep the game going or whatever, but like these these are teams in the NFC Championship game. You can't you can't get a play in, get lined up, and get the ball snapped in forty fucking seconds. Yeah, I mean they talk about the idea that like the ref has to look at the ball then look at the clock, then look back at the ball to see if it snapped. I mean, how long does it take these 67-year-old dudes to, like, 
look at two different points of reference, like five seconds. I mean, I know they're old as shit, but you'd think like a big conglomerate like the NFL would at least pay for vision for these refs. But judging by the calls and everything else, maybe not. Maybe they have to pay for that out of pocket. No, no unbelievable. Um, I want to. I do want to talk about a little bit more about Shanahan because we we mentioned McVeigh. And can I can I just jump into this for a second here, G? Absolutely. And you'll hear. Can you humor me here? So, you talked about that Mc that that egregious McVeigh challenge. The second one was worse than the first, and you never challenge a uh, a QB sneak ever. We know that it'll never work, but somehow the second challenge was worse than the first. So, let's go through that sequence, right? So, uh, you know, uh, it's it's. Uh, First down, they rip off eight yards. Second down and two. Third down and two. Two runs up the middle to get stuffed. The second one was by uh, the fullback. And uh, and the ball comes out. And now McVay challenges it, which is stunning, right? You're already getting the ball. They're going to punt. They have the punt team out there. They have the punt team out there. And McVay challenges it. And I texted in the group chat. I said, this should give Shanahan the opportunity to reconsider and go for it here. I mean, remember earlier in the year when we were killing Sirianni for taking a penalty, even though the other teams, he, he, he accepted a penalty. It was like fourth and 10 or something. And then he accepted a penalty to make it like third and 20, even though the other team's punt team was out there. That's what this felt like in like the NFC championship game. So Shanahan's getting ready to punt. McVay challenges. And then Shanahan puts the offense out there. It's fourth and two. And I said, great. He's going to take advantage. There's 10 minutes left. I think it's 17-10 at this point now. 17-14, I think. 17-14. Somewhere. But they have the lead. There's 10 minutes left. You've now forced your opponent to burn all three timeouts. If you score a touchdown, for all intents and purposes, there's another three to four minutes off the clock, six to seven minutes left in the game. You're up two scores. The game will be over. It's fourth and two. And I'm sitting there thinking, he's going to go. He's got to go. You have to go. Well, here's what he said to the media after the game. He never thought about going for it there. Well, <laughs> luckily, Baum did the analysis. Okay, it's fourth and two. They're at the L.A. Ram 45-yard line. Had they gone for it, statistically, it would have added over five points to their win probability. So if you go for it there and you succeed, your win probability spikes to 82%. Now flip a coin. The success rate there at fourth and two from that distance and, and at that yard, yard line is about 56%. So better than 50-50 chance that you convert there. And if you convert, you have an 82% win probability. If you fail, you still have a 61% win probability. And the other thing these guys don't realize is, like, the timing of it. So you're up. You have a lead. If you fail, you're giving the Rams the ball on the 45, right? And presumably they go down and score. You now have plenty of time to get back down the field. And if you get stuffed, you can punt it, get it stopped, get the ball back, plenty of time. Instead, he punts. The guy drops the ball. You know, their defender drops the ball. Now they hit the ball to Beckham. They get the 15 yards. The whole thing was a cluster. But they lost the game right then and there. I mean, 
that and that that's really what makes me angry about like losing a coach like Doug because in the biggest moments these quote unquote bright minds with these historic offenses and these schemes that you know you would think they uh you know that you would think they learned like football from like the Spartans like back in the day like these you know these war heroes of like the yesteryear like these these incredible strategies right in the biggest moments these fucking perfectly coiffed hair losers with their stubble, they fucking turtle, they 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 lay down, they bend over, and that's why I miss a guy like Doug. Doug would just grab his nuts and say, we're fucking going for it here. He was great for that. But now, I think even the plays leading up to that, that fourth down situation and the challenge, like, San Francisco just could not run the ball up the gut, and it, Shanahan stuck with it. And I understand you got to stick with the run uh, in these games, and that's that's kind of what San Francisco does, but it just wasn't their day. Like it wasn't their day on the inside. It wasn't their day for the offensive line, and they just continued to pound Mitchell up the gut and pound Samuel up the gut. Like get something outside, get a reverse involved. You got Ayuk, like he's fast as shit. Um, like get creative. You're one of the bright young minds in fucking the NFL, and instead he's just jamming it up the middle with check and Mitchell, and they're getting stuffed. Um, and, and they weren't able to put it away. But, again, both both coaches, frauds, both quarterbacks, frauds. Um, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was a terrible game. I don't know if you have anything else. I, I have one thing I'd like to touch on as well. Uh, I want to say, it was was it before the half, Robbie Gold kicked a field goal? Yep. Oh, this is great. So, one of, so Robbie Gold, I don't, I don't know what the score was. Maybe they went up. 10-7 or something for, for halftime. Robbie Gold kicks a field goal. And that, that fucking lunatic punk, Jalen Ramsey, is up in 40-year-old Robbie Gold's face, the kicker. Like, the guy's just doing his job, booting it through. And Jalen Ramsey, one of the most overhyped, overpaid bums on the Los Angeles Rams, He's one of the elite corners in the NFL. I haven't oh, seen that stop. guy cover anybody in weeks and in these playoffs. I mean, Debo Samuel, you know, has made him his bitch in week week 18 and early in the game yesterday. Jalen Ramsey's ch- chasing him around. Um, and he's getting in the face of a kicker like he's acting all tough and shit. And meanwhile, the guy gets on the sideline and pulls, it, pulls his helmet off. He's got that stupid fucking dicky over his head. Like, he's getting ready to go scuba diving. It's like, buddy, you're in L.A. It's warm as shit. What the hell are you wearing that for? Like, I just don't I don't get what the guy's doing. He's a complete punk. He's constantly trash-talking, and he's really no good. It's it's a disgrace. I agree, but I took a little bit of a different perspective. I mean, obviously, I agree with you on Ramsey. I think he's a overrated bum. I don't, you know. He thought he was Mr. Lockdown in Jacksonville and, you know, he got paid and this and that. But, you know, take a little bit of a different spin. I mean, I was really happy to see somebody somewhere from Penn State who showed a little bit of fight in a football game. I mean, I was shocked. It had to come from Robbie Gold. Uh, maybe it speaks to the fact that, like, the older players who have a little more tradition, who don't play under James Franklin, they got a little more fight. They got a little more heart. You know, I was expecting somebody to hit the little, you know, the Nittany Lion. Like when Robbie Gold was right in Jalen Ramsey's face, I was expecting the sound effect. 
you know, I don't know if you could have sent it to me or what, but maybe we could put the video of the sound effect of Robbie Gold, you know, getting in Jalen Ramsey's face and just doing, you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, it was just great to see a, a Nittany Lion show a little fight in a game, G. I just can't stand that fucking Ramsey, man. And it's just, that's why I don't like the Rams. I, you know, they got all these LA guys, like they're a bunch of punks. They all love, they're all in love with themselves. Um, and LA just totally sold out with, you know, expending all their first round draft picks and opening up the checkbook for all these guys. And meanwhile, I mean, who did they beat? They beat the fraudulent fucking Arizona Cardinals on Monday night. That was the first fraud fest. Then they beat uh, a washed Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. And then they beat. Almost, fucking... blew, almost blew that game, by the way. Yeah, yeah, should, should, really should have blown that game. And, and then they beat one of the biggest frauds in recent years in the NFL in Shanahan. I mean, Christ. I don't know, man. I, I, they're just, and they're constantly talked about, and they're loaded, and Von Miller and Aaron Donald, and no, 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 not Von. What's his have, name now? Have you noticed this? They're pronouncing V O N differently now that he's in L A. They're calling him Vaughn. Oh, it's Vaughn. Joe Buck hits him with the Vaughn. I don't know if that's Buck, but I've noticed it. It's like when he was in Denver, it was Von Miller. Now it's Vaughn Miller. Well, whatever. I, I I think I make my point is, is made though. Like, you got the Odell's of the world signing over there, and and Ramsey. You know th- these guys. I mean, these are guys. You know that were throwing their helmets and and, and kicking tables, a Gatorade over, and everything. Uh, in other places, you know, w- when there wasn't enough talent there to prop them up, now they're all here. You know, smiling and Odell Beckham's over hugging Debo Samuel like he's some fucking uh, humanitarian. Like he's a complete <laughs> asshole. That it, was it, disgusting. Yeah, just disgusting. Like just get off the field. Um, so I think it's pretty clear who I'll be rooting for in the Super Bowl, but um, I don't think I have anything else in the game. Yeah, I'll just say the LA fans don't deserve this. Um, it's a bunch of fair weather freaks who come out Jessica Alba, Leo, Leo. They don't even call him DiCaprio, Leo. Buck calls him Leo's here. Right? We saw that. And he's, you know, you know, he's all coveted up. He's got the mask around the bottom of his chin. I mean, that was shocking, right? I mean, Leo's like Mr. Environment, Mr. This and that. The mask was at the chin. Um, but then like this this thing, I'll just, you know, I want to spend a moment talking about the game presentation in LA. It's not enough to have a football game. It's not enough to like, you know, it's always got to be about the stars. So then they got the guy from from the boxing out there to do the opening kickoff. Let's get ready to rumble. Rumble. Rumble? Buddy, if you rumble in a football game these days, that's 15 yards, my friend. So, like, I don't want to see that. Let's just play a fucking football game. I don't need to see the stars. I don't need to see Leo. I don't need to see Jessica Alba. I don't need to see, can we talk about Tim McVay for a second? Yoked up McVeigh's dad. I mean, he was looking like a Jack Skip Bayless. I mean, horrible name, Tim McVeigh. Thank God he shortened it to Tim instead of Timothy. I thought for a second at the at the end of the game that McVeigh, Sean, his son, would be afraid to call a bomb because of the fact that America now knows that his father's name is Timothy McVeigh. But, you know, they were able to pull out the win without the bomb. That was nice to see. 
The question becomes, now that they're in the Super Bowl, will McVay call a bomb now that America knows his father is Timothy McVay? That's the question I have. Um, so, you know, I say take the Bengals. Wow, that's good. That's that's really good. Um, I'm trying to pull up the line for the Super Bowl. As soon as that game ended yesterday and L.A. beat San Francisco, I saw Rams minus four and a half, and the total was sitting around 49. Right now, Monday evening, I'm seeing Rams minus four, totals at 48 and a half. Um, my initial reaction to the line was not good for the Bengals. Um, I mean, it, it'll shape over the next couple of weeks. Um, and I think, you know, my, my reading of that line is not good for the Bengals. And the reason they might not like the Bengals is because the strength of the Rams is their, is their D line. And, you know, the weakness of the Bengals is their O line. Um, so, so maybe they're seeing a big uh, mismatch there in favor of the Rams, but I mean, coach, I don't know anything about Taylor. What is it? Press Taylor, Zach Taylor. Uh, Press was our guy. We always get the bum brother. Yeah. uh, Jeremy Giambi, Press Taylor. So Zach Taylor, I mean, I don't know enough about him, but I know enough about McVay that, you know, McVay could show up, could very well show up with two weeks to plan and put up three points in the Super Bowl. And it might be the most boring fucking Super Bowl you ever watch in your life. So because the Rams are playing in this Super Bowl and we'll be back next week to make official selections and, and give a little bit more of a preview. But because the Rams are in the Super Bowl and they played in probably the worst Super Bowl uh, in my life, maybe aside from when um, Denver got shit kicked by Seattle, um, make, make some good plans, you know, get, get the food going, get together with some folks. Cause this, this might not be a good game. I mean, Joe Burrow is uh is kicking ass and taking names. I'll just say relative to the line or related to the line, you mentioned it. It'll be interesting to see how it moves. And the reason I say that is remember all the hoopla of media, media week, Super Bowl week, right? Leading up to the Super Bowl and all the media and all the questions. It's going to be that on steroids because now it's in L.A. It's in the land of glitz and glamour. And it's going to be some big thing, right? The first kind of Super Bowl uh, you know, in the quote unquote, we'll call it post COVID era, you know, the people are going to be, it's going to be glitz and glamor. It's going to be questions. It's going to be a big thing. And you got to remember Cincinnati is going to be going there on a business trip, right? The Rams are all at home. And you have to wonder at what point does the, do the, do the bright lights, do the interviews, do the questions, do the media, do the other opportunities off the football field, start to creep in, you know, are these guys actually able to separate, you know, work from, from, from play, right. Work from pleasure. And I think with all the celebrities that will be in town doing the Super Bowl and they're, you know, they'll be at the game and everything else. There's gonna be a lot of time to party. There's gonna be a lot of time to work on things off the football field, whether it be movies, whether it be TV shows, and I have to wonder, with the psyche of that Rams team, with the fact that it's like, quote-unquote, star-studded, none of those guys are really homegrown guys. They're all me guys. I mean, would you be shocked if Odell Beckham was on a boat next week? I wouldn't be shocked. Like, he did that before when he was with the fucking Giants. So I like the fact that Cincinnati is going to be going on the road. I like the fact it's a business trip. 
let's see how this line moves. I think a lot of betters are going to be buying into the glitz and the glamour of the LA Rams as the media as the media starts to do its thing. So that's just a thought. Yeah, and it's important when you think about betting the game. And I always try to uh, articulate this on the pod, and, and I always forget the the term. But you can't be a prisoner of the moment, right? Like when you saw the Chiefs and they they could not be stopped by the number one defense, the Buffalo Bills, last week, and then they open at what minus seven against Cincinnati. You know, everybody with money in the account was rushing to hammer the Chiefs. Hammer the Chiefs. The Bengals aren't going to stop them. So you you just can't be prisoner of the moment. Um, You know, the Bengals were impressive. Their defense is impressive. Uh, The Rams' defense was impressive Sunday as well. Um, Cooper Cup's a beast. You know, Bengals have Chase and and Higgins. It'll be interesting to see, but... You know, just don't don't make your decision based on, you know, what you just saw most recently and look at the line a little bit, because I I feel like people would be after watching Sunday's games, the championship games. I feel like people would be quick to jump on the four and a half for Cincinnati. Um, I would be, too. I mean, there's nothing that's going to make me bet the fucking Rams. I won't bet the game if I really think they're going to win. I'm not betting them at all, but. Just a little food for thought, um, you know, as you think about making a selection on the Super Bowl. Just a couple quick hits, things that happened throughout the week. We had Big Ben retire officially, hung it up. Um, Good for Big Ben. You know what? I feel like Big Ben wasn't the flashiest, wasn't the greatest, but... He was one of the greats. He won two Super Bowls. It wasn't always pretty, but the guy just kind of got it done. Um, you know, I, I even thought about, like, Jimmy G on the last drive on Sunday. Like, Big Ben, it, it, you know, maybe at the end of his career, the guy could barely fucking stand up. You know, maybe that's what he would have done. But Big Ben always gave his team a shot. Um, so so props to him. You know, great great career. Have a great retirement. Um, all-timer for sure. Uh, other news. Now this this is interesting, Bob. You know, you talked about Aaron Rodgers being on your wish list for the birds. Um, who knows where he's going this offseason, but his offensive coordinator in Green Bay, Nathaniel Hackett, former Packers offensive coordinator, hired by the Denver Broncos to be their head coach. So that's really kind of churned up the rumor mill of Aaron Rodgers to Denver. Um I'm not really sure what to make of it. I mean, obviously the offensive coordinator going there, um, you know, makes it a possibility and makes it something to watch, but I don't know if you had any initial reaction or or thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I see the connection, but why would you want to go to that division? I mean, if you want to win chargers, chiefs, even the Raiders, you know, Raiders aren't bad, pretty good. And they just hired McDaniels too. I mean, if you go, if if he goes to Denver, that's the ultimate shot across the bow against uh, Baby Goat. Be nice, be fun to watch, that's for sure. But I, I I just don't really see like what's in Denver. Like, what is enticing about playing in Denver? Is their defense really that good? Yeah, I, you know, I don't. I mean, the Eagles fucking beat them this year. I have no idea, right? I mean, I don't think 
They just got rid of Va- Vaughn Miller, right? Yeah, Vaughn's gone, That and the Eagles beat them, so that tells you a lot right there. Yeah, I mean, wh- why not come to the NFC East? Brady's retired. The NFC's wide open. I mean, Matthew Stafford is the fucking quarterback of the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know what made me think of that over the weekend, but if if you're a guy that's trying to win towards the end of your career, like the NFC is definitely the place to be. Um, yep. you know, lo- looking at the two QBs that played Sunday, uh, and, and just looking at you know the landscape in the NFC. Um, so I don't know why Rodgers would leave, um, but but I know why people would now want to come to the, the NFC with the speculation that the goat Tom Brady is hanging it up and. You know, I I'd like I I want to bring this up in a capacity where you and I kind of share our thoughts on Tom Brady and, and not get too elaborate, you know, or uh, you know, stroke him off too much or whatever. But instead, you, you know, in this ESPN and media social media world, you got Adam Schefter and and his little buddy. I don't even know his name, but they they did the report together with Schefter. Chef Schefter and Darlington reporting that Tom Brady's going to retire. And, and then, you know, hours later, you got Tom Brady hit up the Bucks GM and said he hasn't made a decision. Like, why, 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 why do we have to deal with this? Because the Schefters of the world and all those, that's, they, they, they traffic in clickbait. And they want the first click. And even if it's wrong, they still got the click. And they got, you know, like everything else. It doesn't matter if it's right. In fact, I think Tom Brady should come back just to spite these guys and say, you know what, I'm winning another one. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't get the rush to make that, make that announcement. Um, I think Brady, Brady's also do like a 15 million dollar bonus, which comes due in the next week. So why would he announce retirement like now? Sure. No, it's just, it's just a pain in the ass, like. Whether he's back or not, like let's let's just hear from him and, and get give the guy his due. I mean, he's put on a show for fucking the better part of two decades, and just let him come out and say it. And if you're gonna report it, it better it better fucking be right. Um, well, look at, look at look at that approach compared to how they how they handled uh, Bron Bron. They gave him a fucking TV special and they announced where. Oh, Bron, where are you going, Bron? I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. Like, like, like ESPN is so fraudulent. Like, that, they made a big production of that because they're all in bed with the NBA. But the minute it comes to probably the greatest, I mean, greatest American sports icon of all time, I'll say it, right? Like, is he right there with Jordan in terms of team sports? Probably. Um, especially with football being as popular as it is now. I mean, this guy's the probably the number one sports icon of all time, and they're just gonna. I mean, I have to hear that from little Adam Schefter. That's disgusting. Via Twitter, yeah, via, via Twitter.com. And then the other thing that makes me angry, G, you know, and, and you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, and we could talk about Brady's career in another episode. But then you get the, uh, you know, the garbage that starts getting recirculated um, about Tom Brady. You know, I saw a post yesterday, you know, there were people 
reposting videos from from the Eagles, you know, the night the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And they're interviewing, you know, these people who probably have watched, you know, 10 games in their entire life. And they're all buzzed up on Broad Street on people's shoulders screaming, fuck Tom Brady. He sucks. He stinks. The Eagles own Tom Brady. Hey, assholes. The guy threw for fucking 500 yards against Jim Schwartz Swiss cheese defense. And the only stop they got was Brandon Graham getting in there and stripping him. So, like, I just don't understand why Eagles fans are so quick to say Tom Brady stinks, Tom Brady blows. Why wouldn't you just say Tom Brady's the greatest of all time and our guy Big Dick Nick, who we kicked to the curb for for 11. When I say we, I mean the organization and these fans. They kicked him to the curb. Why, why can't we talk about our guy and what he did? We always have to go through the fuck Tom Brady. Fuck Tom Brady. The guy's the greatest football player of all time. Hit the nail on the head, dude. I agree. It's, uh, yeah, it's always got to be, you know, hateful and about, about everybody else. And he sucks and he can't do this. Well, what about, like, we fucking sacked him. And Big Dick Nick, another guy that rolled his hog out on the, on the, uh, the turf. And and put on a show like, why why can't it be about us? And we beat the greatest. We beat the greatest of all time. Not oh he sucks. Like, <laughs> like we had no, no business really being in the Super Bowl that year, <laughs> and and then Tom Brady all of a sudden sucks. Like, and the, these these are the people that they t- interview and take videos of and post up to to represent our fucking city, man. Like it's terrible. And then they're reposting it the, the minute he announces his retirement. <laughs> it's like, so bad. What the it's hell? So bad. Yeah, we, yeah, we, that's something. That's something that just irrationally like made me angry this week when I when I saw that those videos recirculating. And it's just it's just the hot take bullshit. Like these people who don't know sports, like your backup quarterback outdueled the greatest QB of all time. Like, can we just say that? Yeah, that's cer- certainly something to celebrate, but now nah, we'll see what happens. I mean, it w- it would definitely be funny now if Brady just out of spite came back and you know had some sort of statement for Shefty, that little twerp. But um, you know, if if he's gone, we'll uh, we'll dedicate a little bit of time, a little segment or something to to the goat because you know. Early in his career, he hated him, and you know he beat us in the Super Bowl and whatnot. But I think in today's day and age, like, and over time, you just gotta grow to respect greatness, and that's exactly what that guy was. Let's just—I mean, let's just call it what it is, too. I mean, this guy—you know—when we think about, I, I can't even think I'm going to compare Wentz and, and Brady, but our guy Wentz did everything he could to get away from football off the field, hunting wifey the babies the dogs the farm the deer everything the youtube channel Wentz hunting bros ao1 the softball game the food truck that kingdom crumb this guy did everything he could to focus on anything but football off the field you think about a guy like tom brady he cared so much about his team he cared so much about the sport of football he cared so much about his performance. 
that he revolutionized a new way to think about caring for one's body. He's got the TB12 method. He talks about pliability. I've got the book right here. I used it after my shoulder surgery. I feel great. I had a lot of problems with my lats. I started doing some of Tom Brady's exercises. Lo and behold, I feel better than I have in 13 years. So Tom is making me physically well. But this is a guy that sacrificed food, sacrificed alcohol. He sacrifices Netflix and watching late night TV. The guy goes to bed at like 8 p.m. just so his team has like a 0.2% better chance of winning a football game. And Philadelphia, we're going to sit here and rip this guy? That's the guy that I want. I want the guy who's obsessed with winning a football game. So I just wanted to say that. I mean, I don't know any of any athlete ever who has done more to prioritize his team winning than Tom Brady. I'll leave it at that, man. That was that was well said and nothing to add. Um, yeah, that's why he's the goat. That's why he's the goat. But you, uh, you, you, you good for a little selection show next week? A little Super Bowl preview? I know we got we got the Pro Bowl. It's going to be a very exciting weekend of NFL activities. Yeah, you know we. I'm good for selections now. I might be coming from a remote location. In the mid-70s, coming off the golf course, your boy Bomb is headed down to West Palm Beach to play some golf. And unfortunately, G, just not ready. I mean, he backed out. We're seeing videos of him on the simulator, but he's unwilling to hop on an American Airlines flight. Is he afraid of the back on the flight? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but Bomb will be calling in from a remote location next week to talk about the Super Bowl in sunny Florida. Enjoy it and, and travel safely. You know, wish wish I could be there, but we're just we're not built up to the place where we can be playing three to four days in a row. But we're, as, we're he, as, he, as he swings a, a three wood as hard as possible. <laughs> you know what the rehab's like, man. Come on. <laughs> oh man. All right, well, that, that'll do it for episode 33. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Menard Premium Detailing. Thank you, Shamrock Sun. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Um, throw us some, a few stars, preferably five, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Uh, and have a great week. Enjoy the weekend off from football. Everybody knows the Pro Bowl sucks, but we'll be back next week to preview the Super Bowl. Until then, be good. Later, everybody. Later, everybody.